from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Living as Christians in a divided nation, it has never been more important to stay close to the Lord. And we have an outstanding inspirational daily devotional that will help you do just that. It's called Strength for Today by Dr. D. James Kennedy and Dr. Jerry Newcomb. And we will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. We will also tell you more about it later in this program. How can you tell if someone is lying or telling the truth? People have developed many different methods to try to see if someone is being dishonest or not. The polygraph, often referred to as a lie detector test, is one method of attempting to determine the truth. Individuals are hooked up to a device that records several physiological indicators such as blood pressure, pulse, and breathing and are then asked various questions. Many U.S. law enforcement agencies utilize the polygraph test. However, the effectiveness of this device is highly debated. Another method, sometimes used by the FBI, is consulting a body language expert. This method monitors an individual's subtle facial expressions, body posture, and eye movement in an attempt to see if they are being deceitful or not. But while these tools can be helpful, they also can be fooled. Polygraphs, for instance, are not admissible as evidence in a court of law. But God cannot be fooled. He sees the heart and knows all things. Many people claim that they have a personal relationship with Jesus, but are they telling the truth or are they engaging in deception as well, deceiving others or maybe even deceiving themselves? Here now is Dr. D. James Kennedy in his message, How to Become a Real Christian. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, one of the great pinnacles of Holy Writ. May we listen carefully to the inspired word of the living God. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also 
we all had our conversation or way of life in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And may God speak to us today through his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. It was on an occasion very much like this one, a worship service in a church far away and three decades ago. It was in Eastern Soviet Union. It was a rural church, much smaller, only seated about 200 people, but it was filled on this particular Sunday morning as they were engaged in worshiping Christ. They had just finished a hymn and had been seated when suddenly there was a loud crash. Somebody kicked in the front doors, and two Soviet soldiers in uniform carrying submachine guns stomped down the aisle, turned and menacingly faced the congregation and said, You filthy Christians, you are a disgrace to our glorious Soviet Union. You do not deserve to live, and we have come today to see to it that you live no longer. And they pulled the bolt on their submachine guns. The people sat, frozen, wide-eyed, in their seats. And then one of them said, however, some of you may not really believe this nonsense. You're here for some other reason. If so, then you now have an opportunity to, live, to leave. You have exactly one minute to do so. Silence. Suddenly, there was a shuffle of feet. First a few, and then more, until finally a large number of people were scrambling out of the pews and out the aisle, falling over one another in a desperate attempt to get out the door before the minute was over. And soon, about 40% of the congregation were fleeing across the countryside for their lives. One of the soldiers walked to the door, slammed it closed, came back to the front, and the people sat there wide-eyed, 
no doubt praying feverishly. Suddenly, one of the soldiers said, Brethren, we too are Christians, and we've come to worship with you. But first, we had to get rid of those hypocrites. Question. Which group would you be in? A question worth seriously pondering, I would say. As today, we consider how to become a real Christian. And if you know anything about the Bible at all, you know that the Scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith as I read to you this morning, that we are justified by faith, the Bible tells us. He that believeth shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. So faith is the key that opens the door to the Christian life. Nay, more, it is a key that opens the door to paradise. Faith. Do you have faith? Do you really believe? Is your faith genuine? There was certainly a sifting of the true from the false that day in that country church. Well, there have been many disquisitions and dissertations written on the subject of faith by abstruse theologians and philosophers until many people have gotten the idea that it's so complex, so recondite that they can't possibly understand it, so they just sort of do the best they can and not worry about it too much. But you know something? It's not like that in other parts of society. The secular world has no trouble understanding what faith is. To wit, you are sitting in your living room late one evening watching television when suddenly there's a frantic knocking at your door. You go to the door wondering who could possibly be coming this late in the evening. And there is one of your neighbors standing there wide-eyed saying, there's smoke coming out of your back window. Your house is on fire. You thank him and close the door and go back to watching the TV. Sorry. Or do you? Of course not. You rush throughout your household, crying out, Honey, honey, children, get out of bed. The house is on fire. Run to the front until everybody is safely out. Then you call the fire department with your cell phone. That's faith. That's believing. And it inevitably brings a proper action to it. You've gone to the doctor. You've had a persistent cough. The doctor takes x-rays. He comes back out again with the x-rays in his hand, puts them up on the wall, and shows you. And he says, you see that dark, ominous spot there? That is death, unless you submit yourself to surgery. 
So you go home and say, well, Doc, when I get a little time, I'll think about it, but uh, I'm pretty busy right now. You don't do that. You take the appropriate action and make arrangements for that life-saving operation. Whether the truth is pleasant or unpleasant doesn't really matter. In either case, you will take the appropriate action if you believe. May I point out to you that whatever you think about those people that fled out of that Soviet church, Whatever your opinion about them is, let me tell you one thing about them that you may not have grasped. They all, each one of them, had faith. They believed the soldiers. The rest of them believed God, who had said, He that believeth on me, though he are dead, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall never perish. And many other such texts, those they believed. Some of them believed man. Others of them believed God. By the way, did you notice those that believed man were told a lie, as we often are. The others believed God who is truth incarnate and cannot possibly lie. But they did believe, and in response to that belief, they took what they felt was the appropriate action. Well, what is it that we believe? What is the object of our faith? It is, of course, Christ, but it is Christ and his promises. I recall that night when I first grasped the truth of the gospel and fell upon my knees and with copious tears invited Christ into my life with great repentance, then got up and washed my face and went to bed. The next morning, however, as I was standing in front of the mirror shaving, a thought came into my mind for the very first time. Jesus Christ says that I am going to be with him forever in paradise. Wow! A chill went up my spine. That is fantastic. That is the most fantastic thing I've ever thought in my life. I believed his promise that I had eternal life. And I went out from that day forward with a desire to share that glorious good tidings with as many people as I could. Do you really believe? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ, in truth? Which group would you have been in that cold Sabbath morning in the Soviet Union? Well, 
The Apostle Paul made it very clear. He said, if any man is in Christ, is a Christian, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we are to believe Christ, and we are to believe his promise, his word. The Westminster Confession of Faith says it this way, By faith a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word for the authority of God himself speaking therein. And so it is Christ and his word, his promises, he is the word of God incarnate. The confession goes on to say that we act differently upon each particular passage, that ultimately the object of our faith is the word of God, yielding obedience to commands, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promises of God for this life and the life which is to come. That is what faith is. But the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. Let me say that again. The Westminster Confession says, the principal acts of saving faith are receiving for justification, accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. This is the principal act of saving faith. It is trusting in Christ. The Puritans had a word for it. It's a word that you hardly ever hear today, but it's a good word, and uh, it's a word that we should be aware of. What they called faith, the word they used was recumbency, not a word you hear too often, but of course it means to rest upon. If you were to plop down on your back on your bed, you would be recumbent. So that's what we are doing. We are resting upon Christ for our salvation, and then we are heeding his promises and his word. If you love me, said Christ, obey my commandments. And so he calls us to do so. It is amazing that there are some people who will join a church, profess to believe in Jesus Christ, listen to his word preached. In fact, some will come every week for years and years and listen to the word over and over again. They will be told that if they trust in Christ, they will never perish. If they believe in him, they will have eternal life. If they disbelieve, they will be lost. He that believeth not is damned. God is angry with the wicked every day. They shall be turned into everlasting punishment and condemnation. And hearing those things, not merely once, but coming to hear them week after week, year after year, 
they still go through their weeks doing nothing about it. They neither spend time reading his word or in prayer or serving him in his church or sharing his love with others, but their lives are literally no different than they were before they entered into church, before they professed their faith. Shall we dignify such an attitude with the term faith? Luther said, at such is a man without faith. Oh, he has deceived himself with some notion that he has faith, but his life gives the lie to his lips, and he is without faith. And I'm afraid that many such were in that group that suddenly faced with the great decision of life or death would have chosen to flee to save their lives because they did not really believe God. So I ask you again, dear friends, in which of those groups would you have been? Now, I ask that not to in any way embarrass you. I'm not asking you to stand or raise your hands to indicate. But for your own sake, for the eternal well-being of your own soul, that you might see the truth, that God might illumine your mind to see whether Christ indeed reigns in your heart, where he, whether he is your all and all, your divine Redeemer, your Savior, your substitute, your sacrifice, your Lord, and your God, or whether he is just some little addition on the side. Which is it? I would ask you again. Do you really believe? May we pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh God, that if there be any here who have been deluding themselves into thinking that they believe, might, through the message which has been proclaimed, might see that this is not a life-transforming faith, that they have not been born anew, that they have not become new creatures in Jesus Christ, that they have not been changed. O oh God, may they see their peril and say unto thee, even now, Ah, Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want to be a false professor. I want you truly to come in and take over my life right now. I do not want to go to hell. I do not want to suffer eternally, for you suffered infinitely in my place upon the cross. I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, and my God. And from this day forward, I will rejoice 
in the blessed assurance that I truly have eternal life, and I will endeavor to show my faith by my deeds. I pray this, O Christ, my Savior, with thanksgiving, in thy name. Amen. Did you just pray that prayer with Dr. Kennedy? If you did, then you have begun the greatest adventure of your life. And to help you, we want to send you a copy of Beginning Again, which is precisely what you're doing. In these pages, you'll learn how to read and study the Bible, how to pray, and even how to tell others about what you have just done. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, simply write to our address or call our toll-free number. And may God richly bless you. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you really believe? Is your faith genuine? These are questions you need to ask yourself when evaluating your own relationship with Jesus. And we all need encouragement as we grow in a genuine relationship with Christ. Daily time in God's Word is vital for nurturing our spiritual walk and for growth in the grace of God. And it's also beneficial to have the guidance of those who have discovered precious treasures in the Bible. We have a powerful resource that will help guide you in your daily time with the Lord. It's the daily devotional titled, Strength for Today. And we will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the continuing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. This daily devotional, filled with the inspirational teachings of Dr. D. James Kennedy, as well as insights from Dr. Jerry Newcomb, his co-author, will provide you with day-to-day -day words of encouragement and biblical truth to help strengthen your walk with God. Dr. Kennedy once said, we were created by God to do great things, to soar high and to make an impact on our world for Him. Strength for Today is a collection of biblical truths that will help you live that out taking you through the year in victory and with purpose. The encouraging wisdom of Dr. Kennedy will help deepen your love for God and give you a steadfast hope only found in His Word. And if you contact us right away, you will receive this devotional in plenty of time for Christmas as it makes a great gift. And it's available exclusively through this ministry. So please... Give a generous donation to help us proclaim truth and spread the gospel. And we will thank you by sending you our Strength for Today devotional by Dr. D. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-332. 3069 or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.